Welcome to the Gingsburg Podcast. After today's message, take a sec and download the Gingsburg app. It's the best way to find out about and engage with what's happening at Gingsburg. We hope the following message helps you activate your faith and take the next step with your journey with Jesus. Hello, church. How is everybody doing today? All right. Before we get started, how many people in here right now were here last week when we had church in the grass? Church in the lawn, worship in the lawn. Give yourselves a round of applause. I want to say thank you to the staff. Everybody came together. That was one of the funnest times I have ever had in the city of Dayton. I felt like a little kid. I tried to get in the bouncy house. I barely fit in there. Uh, the slide just didn't seem like a good idea because I weigh too much. And I was thinking there's little kids at the bottom of the slide. All I need to do is plow into them. But listen, I just want to say thank you that you guys were there last week because it's something about worshiping outside. It just, it slays me because there's no walls and there's no roof. And it's almost as if God, you are giving God so much praise towards the sky it just, it's a different feel for me. And uh, I, I tend to lose myself when we worship outside. But just really grateful that we did that last week and really grateful that you're here today. Uh, let me also say happy Labor Day weekend. Because it is Labor Day weekend, I decided that I would write something that has to deal with work. So in case you guys don't know me, um, my name is Pastor Carl and I am the lead pastor. <clears throat> I'm the lead pastor of our Fort McKinley campus of Gainsburg Church. I bring you greetings from Fort McKinley. Um, they loved it out here last week too. I also say hello to our online community. Thank you for being here today as well. And uh, we're just gonna get started. So as we embark upon celebrating this Labor Day, I just thought the message today should lead us to realize that we need an active faith. Are you following me? An active faith. We need a faith that works. A faith that works is a faith that puts in the work, and that is our topic for today. Faith that works. So growing up in Youngstown, Ohio, right, right, north side, growing up in Youngstown, Ohio, I understand what a strong uh, work ethic looks like. My father worked at General Motors for over 40 years, and my mother was a special education teacher for 37 years. So I saw that work ethic in my house every day as I grew up. Youngstown used to be a true blue collar city, and my parents were the epitome of not just working hard, but using their faith on the job while they worked. Today, I believe God wants us to do the same to have a faith that works, a faith that works even on the job or in school. When you hear the word job, what comes to mind for you? You might think, I'm glad tomorrow's a holiday. Nothing wrong with that. Others might say, I'm glad I have a job, right? And then there are others who say, I wish I had a job. Maybe you're reminded of the seven dwarfs as they headed off to work singing, hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to work I go. Or if you can sing our version of that song, I owe, I owe, it's, you better get your behind the work, Carl. 
I know those aren't the lyrics, but you guys got it. So do you remember your first job, though? For me, at the age of 10, I became a paper boy. I was dignified. I had my own job, made my own money. I had over 70 customers, and my route was only one street away from where I grew up. I was dedicated to that job as I look back. I remember getting up at four in the morning to get my Sunday papers together. You know, those were the thick papers that you can take about 10 at a time to your customers while riding your bike with the satchel thing on. You know what I'm saying? This was grueling work for a 10-year-old. But I was dedicated. I remember getting up that early, and I knew that my dad was watching my work ethic, and that made me even more focused on doing the best job I could do for my customers. I didn't work in high school because my father said this. He said, school is your job, young man, and your paycheck will be the acceptance letters that you get from colleges and universities that want to give you an opportunity. Like, all right. Actually, that, was a, uh, that took some faith that works also. In college, I worked in the weight room, which was convenient for me because I was a three-sport athlete, and I also worked in the admissions office, which actually led me to working in college administration for 30 years before entering into ministry. After college, though, I got to admit, I had a few bad jobs. I did telemarketing for a while, even though I have always disliked the phone. People that know me now know I don't like the phone. I don't. I vaguely remember when I sold $500 vacuum cleaners in a poor fixed income neighborhood. Big old vacuum cleaner like this I had to lug around, and I'm in a neighborhood that was, it was in poverty. So how are they gonna pay for this? A, a, a vacuum cleaner cost $35 back then. Here I come with this $500 contraption. You could put flavors on the top of it and it would scent the whole room. And so I'd have to give demonstrations. You see this? Oh yeah, it's cleaning up everything. Well, Carl, can you get over here? Sure. All I'm doing is cleaning carpets for free. And when I, as soon as I get done, they'd be like, oh, no, thank you. So I lug it out of there, but I, I knew my dad was watching. So I, I, I stuck in there as long as I could. I even recall a time when my wife and I were driving. This still blows my mind. My wife and I were driving, and we see a grown man wearing a chicken outfit, advertising for a tax company, waving his arms like a chicken. Now, I just couldn't put that together. What does a tax company and a man dressed as a chicken have to do with each other? But he was an adult. He was an adult. And, and I remember me and Shannon were just driving. I don't know where we were going or coming from. But even though I was struggling at work during this period of time, I remember leaning over to Shannon and just being like, well, at least I'm not the dude in the chicken suit. I mean, can you imagine having that job? If that's me out there, I am asking for God's deliverance. Lord, in the name of Jesus, deliver me from the chicken out there. God, I know you have stuff for me to do in this world, and I don't know that being a chicken is one of them, but Lord, if it's in your will, remove me from the chicken outfit, Jesus. So, 
Now, I have felt like a chicken on the job. I was just never dressed like one. I have to tell you, though, that there were people who I look back on, and they made, they made an impression upon me, some because they worked hard and others because they simply didn't. As a young person, I learned from watching others. Now, some of you are retired, and you may think your day of working is long over, but hold on a little before you tune me out. Some of you may consider yourselves students and think your work life hasn't started yet. Just don't tune me out. Hear me out on this. So let me ask you, what about work? Where does this thing called work fit into what it means to be a follower of Jesus? How can we have a faith that works? How can we demonstrate faith on the job? The reality is this, my friends, faith is not easy. We deal with doubt, we deal with insecurity, cognitive dissonance, deconstruction, reconstruction, questioning, digging for answers. We are mining for truth and we're going out on the limb hoping that the, tr the harness will catch us. We are hypothesizing, we are experimenting, we're analyzing and exploring, but God is calling us to faith on the job while all that's going on. For many of us, work is something we do. We do it because we have to pay the bills. We do it because we have to feed our family. We do it to live. But do you bring your faith to work with you every day, or do you separate your faith from your work? Well, this is Labor Day. This is Labor Day weekend where most people get an extra day off from work, and that's a good reason to celebrate, right? Labor Day has its roots all the way back to a national holiday proclaimed by Congress in 1894. So we celebrate the worker, and that's a good thing. The Bible also speaks about work. From Genesis to Revelation, the Bible helps us to gain an understanding of God's expectations for the follower of Christ. Today, I want to look at words from Paul to the church in Thessalonica, and I want us to be able to answer this question. What does God want me to understand about work? It's a pretty simple question, but I think it has deep implications for us as believers. So let's look at what Paul said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 through 15. And it reads, now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you have received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we don't have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear this, that some among you will walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. No such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. As for you, brothers, 
Do not grow weary in doing good. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him that he may be ashamed. Don't regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. May God add a blessing to the readers, the hearers, and the doers of his word. So Paul is very clear and even a little harsh. We are to work. We are not to be idle. As Paul starts telling them, notice he's giving a command. He said, we command you. Those who are lazy are not living the lives by the way they have been taught. Understand, though, that they are this way because they think Jesus is coming back very soon. And if Jesus is coming back next week, they believe there was no reason to go to work. For what? He's coming next week. Go to work for what? Have you ever heard the expression, they are so heavily minded that they are no earthly good? That's what some of these Thessalonians were like. And guess what? There are times we can be like them too. We are to work, and we are to be a good example to the world. Paul told these Christians that they were to follow his example. Not only was Paul a church planter, he was also a tent maker. As a tent maker, he made his living so that he could plant churches. He wasn't dependent upon others, although he had the right to do so. He wanted to be a model and to show church folks what it means to be a Christian, to be involved in ministry and to work. Paul is very direct and to the point when he wrote, if a man will not work, he shall not eat. We are not to be a burden to the church simply because we choose not to work. Now, let me say this. I do understand that there are mitigating circumstances in life, and sometimes there are issues that prevent working. I'm not talking about these issues, and neither is Paul. Paul is referring to people who choose to be idle, who choose to be disorderly, and who choose to be rebellious. These very folks drain the church. So they asked for and expected handouts from their brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to believe that our work really matters to God. And when we work, we honor God by supporting our lives and by supporting the gospel. We honor God with the way in which we conduct ourselves. When people in the world, even people in the church, see the way we conduct ourselves, they may be drawn closer to Christ. So how do you show who you are in Christ by the way you work or by the way you volunteer? Colossians 3, verse 17, Paul reminds us that, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of Jesus. Can we do that? Can we do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus? It is a tall order. Yet that's exactly what we are supposed to do. I'll give you an example. An architect was commissioned to rebuild a Catholic, to rebuild a cathedral after it had been destroyed by a fire. A few years into the project, the architect asked three different brickmakers the same question. He asked, what are you doing? The first bricklayer replied that he was a bricklayer trying to feed his family. 
So bricklaying was his job. The second one said, I'm a builder, so I'm building a wall. In his case, bricklaying was his occupation. The third one said, I'm a, cathedral build, I'm a cathedral builder, and I'm building the house of God. So bricklaying was his calling. Now, all three had the same physical task, and they were all very important. What differentiated them, though, was their perspective their perspective. You see, here's the, tr here's the truth, church. We can take any job and turn it into a calling, especially when we realize our purpose is fulfilled wherever God has us. Martin Luther, Martin Luther King Jr. once said, if a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep the streets like Michelangelo painted or like Beethoven made music or like Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep the streets so well that all of heaven and earth paused to say, here lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. Here's what I want you to know, friends. Your perspective can take a paycheck and give it a purpose. Our perspective can take any job and turn it into an opportunity to be a kingdom builder and not just a bricklayer. Colossians reminded us that whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as if you are working for the Lord. Since you know this, you will, you will receive a reward from the Lord. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. We all have bricks in our hands, but what we do with them depends on who we're doing it for. Somebody say amen. I'm not just flipping burgers. I'm not just a nurse. I'm not just changing diapers. I'm not just a coach. I'm not just a teacher. I am a kingdom builder with every single brick that lays in my hand. Really doesn't matter what you do. We are to bring honor and glory to God in all we do. Whether you are an employee or a volunteer or a student, we are to find the work that we are called to do. Go do that work and do it with joy as if we are working for Christ. Amen? Now, sometimes the people around you make work or volunteering different. Some people make work and volunteering very hard and difficult. I remember, I won't say the name of a church, but I was serving at this church when I moved to Dayton early on, and I saw a lady get yelled at for the way she turned the water on. The water. Had to pull her to the side, reamed her up and down because of the way she turned on the water. But look, at the same time, Paul tells us that we are not to grow weary in doing good. It can be difficult at times. Doing good is not easy always to do, but our focus has to be on making Christ known through everything we do. For many people, we are Jesus. They base their view of Jesus, of Christians, and of the church on you and I. And that's a tough call. Yet in all we do, how can we seek to never grow weary of doing God? How can we seek to never grow weary of doing good? It's difficult. Sometimes on the job, the, the enemy works through people, and you find yourself cowering in a corner 
afraid to speak, confident shot, thinking negatively, afraid to say anything. Don't you let the enemy put you in a corner like that. It can be difficult, but whatever's going on in your life, remember who Jesus is. Remember what he's done for you. And when you think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for you, something on the inside can't help but say hallelujah. When you think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for you, something on the inside can't shout, can't help but shout thank you. When you consider all that Jesus has done for you and where he's brought you from, something on the inside is going to have you to shout amen and I'm going to be okay. We are to work. We are to serve. We are to volunteer. We are to provide for our families. We are to support the work of the church. And guess what? We have we got to have the right Christ-like attitude to go along with it. When we do what is right and good, we are encouraged. And even though it may not always be easy to do, we are doing something which is a part of a much larger picture. We don't always know the impact that we're making locally or globally. The call is to honor God. And I have seen that in so many of you that are here today. I've heard your stories about work. I've heard your stories about school. I've heard your stories about dedication to the company you work for. The blood, the sweat, and the tears. The driving to work on poor roads and deep snow. You worked, you cared for your family, you gave sacrificially in money and time to the church. You have lived your faith in the workplace and people were attracted to you as you mirrored Jesus. I just want you to know that you are inspiring and Jesus is being lifted up when you have a faith that works. Work may be a challenge, but through it we are supporting our families and we're given the opportunity to tell each other, to tell others about the love of Jesus Christ. You may be asking yourself, but how can I do that at work? I found a four-step process that I think we can all use. It's very practical. <laughs> First of all, don't brag. Don't brag. Don't go to work and brag about how wonderful your Christian life is. Don't go to work and brag about how righteous you are and how much sin you've overcome. That'll just turn people off. So don't brag. Number two, don't nag. Don't nag. Don't carry a big Bible under your arm and every time somebody says a cuss word, you pull it out and says, look here, thou shalt not swear. Because all you're going to do for that person is turn them away. So don't brag, don't, na don't nag. Thirdly, don't lag. Don't lag. As a Christian, it is important for you to do your work and to do it well, to set an example for others, to be there on time and maybe even early. Somebody say amen. To do your job and maybe a little bit of their job if they're falling behind. Fourthly and lastly, don't sag. I'm not talking about jeans. Don't sag. What I mean by that is be really careful not to go back to your old way of life. 
Be really careful not to listen to their language and start to use it yourself. Then, make sure you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. If you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, if you don't use their language, and if you react in a different way to problems and difficulties that come sooner or later, they will come up to you and say, I notice you're different. What caused the difference? They will ask you because inside they are hurting. Inside, they're looking for answers and solutions. And if you can mirror what Christ can do in a life, sooner or later, the door will swing open for you to share gently and tenderly your testimony with them. We must be a living example of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We must do the work we are called to do so that we can bring glory to Christ. Again, as Paul said, do not become weary in well-doing. And in whatever you do, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. When we work, we are doing good. So on Labor Day and every day you labor, whether for a paycheck or as a volunteer, remember to glorify and honor our Lord Jesus the Christ, and you will receive the stamp of approval from God. Somebody say amen. I hope you enjoyed today's message. I've got two invitations for you before you go. First, subscribe to our podcast so it shows up in your feed every week. And if today's message inspired you and you would like more people to hear it, you can give a financial gift through the Gingosburg app or online at gingosburg.org.